welcome to this week's episode of New Tricks. This festive season, we're joined by Natalia Kolotneva, Head of European Living and Hospitality Asset Management at LaSalle, who tells us that what the sector needs now is love, and what investors need is more operational real estate. Welcome to another episode, which must be episode 41, we reckon, of New Tricks, which is the weekly podcast from New Dog PR. Today, we are joined by, by Natalia Klopniva, who is the Head of European Living and Hospitality Asset Management at LaSalle. <laughs> welcome, welcome. How, how are you? Ah, oh, surviving. <laughs> Stand of the year. It's the end of the year. We've just enjoyed 30 minutes of slight technical challenges. So we're all just relieved to be here, to be honest. Um, and it's a delight to have you here. It is, although, of course, it just turns out, I was going to say, it turns out you've had each other before, but that is an inappropriate <laughs> thing to say um, at any hour, at any hour and in any context. So, but yes, you have, I was going to say, have not each other before, but it's getting worse and worse. So you not met before, though. <laughs> We have met before, it turns out. Um, so I thought I knew Natalia's face, bowler face, from um, TRI days when I was working at CBRE. We used to work quite closely with TRI. And then I thought, I feel this is a more familiar face than just that. And it turns out we were at university together, the University of Surrey, at the same time. Da, da, da. Yeah, number one, number one in the UK. Number one in the UK for hospitality and tourism fun. Um, so I suspect what happened there was a combination of A, it being 20 years ago, and me spending the majority of the four years pretty pissed, which is why it's not that much of a very clear recollection. How was your time at university? I don't know what, tiring. All, I have the, all of my answers, I just thought about being tired. Um, actually, fascinated. I met my husband back at uni, but most importantly... I um, established the love for the hotel sector, but I, you know, I always had it. I think it just evolved into a bit more, um, you know, probably establishing what I really wanted and where I was going. Um, but yeah, I remember crying uh, at two o'clock in the morning, working holiday in Guildford, if you remember that place. Yes. I do. It's a very tricky roundabout, that holiday in Guildford. Very tricky. I was crying at two o'clock in the morning because I was so tired. My feet were hurting because I finished wedding number 10 for the week. Um, as I was part of a CMB team. Um, and that sort of made, made me probably realise, do I really want to work in the operations or do I want to work in a consultancy field? Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a fascinating times. You see, and and we there's a reoccurring theme on this podcast that hospitality is not a credible career. I give you, ladies and gentlemen, hospitality. Two people, two people formally trained in the hospitality sector. And how many people in any context can you say, that they're still doing what they did for their degree. Quite right, too. See? Mm. Definitely not more than two. No, no. Depends. And to have two out of three people on one podcast. So there you go, kids. It is a really, really real thing to do, to study, to enjoy. Perhaps worth the holiday in Guildford um, during the time of studying and enjoying it. But it's a very real thing. It is. And, you know, Guildford has has a, another hotel person probably once the largest. No, actually, it wasn't a hotel person. It was someone from Whitbread, which I appreciate is hotels, but it was from. <laughs> and they once told me that Whitbread has the highest concentration of white witches in the United Kingdom. I don't know where to go with that fact. I've got so many questions. But it's weird because Guildford was one of those places that, that is chosen by the likes of Whitbread as an every town to trial new concepts, isn't it? 
And so, but I was unable to bring those two facts together in my mind, still am unable to do so. That on the one hand, it's in every town and you find sort of weird new pizza places turning up. And on the other hand, which is... I thought it was, um, hitherto, I had assumed that Guildford, I mean, I refer you back to four years being there, being quite a blur, but I, I had I had assumed it was a very nice, very sort of middle-class, home counties type of a place. Is that is that where white witches thrive? Can only assume yes. There's the the environs. I obviously need somewhere nice and welcoming, also somewhere that is possibly, um, you know, bring up the occasional new type of pizza concept. Mm. Well, there we go. You see, it's embedded deep into Guildford. At this stage, Natalia is wondering why she wasted 30 minutes trying to get the audio. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a chat with old friends now. I think we'd better scope out our... I don't, did you ever come any, across any white witches during your time at the University of Surrey? Oh, God. I didn't, didn't even look for them. I should have, probably. <laughs> well, if it's self-secret, then that's probably a good sign. Yeah. Next time there's an alumni meeting, perhaps we'll, um, we'll, we'll scope them out. Yes. Anyway, right. On to the news. Um, to... You, you, t- you two need to kick off because this is this is essentially an extension of a conversation you've previously had. Yeah, so whereas, whereas you were at university with Natalia, I met Natalia at the Urban Living Festival, and marvelous it was too. I was sitting on a bed, she was sitting on a chair. It was very hospitality, um, and we were talking about uh, where what people like to invest in at the moment. Um, particularly at a sort of institutional level, um, and how things had come in from the mainstream uh, and from outside the mainstream to become mainstream, to become core, as I'm now thinking about it, um, and how that was all working out and whether there were still opportunities out there, what people wanted, could you get the returns, all of that thought, sort of thing. And I thought Natalia said a series of uh, interesting things, none of them featuring witches, um, which would be interesting to expand on here more about. Happy to do so. How long do we have? <laughs> Until the audio gives out again. As long as, as long as the tech holds up, we're good to go. Forever. Let's do it. So, yes. What's your question? My question is, uh, well, actually, my question is, are the adjacent spaces still adjacent or are they now into the mainstream? Now, how difficult is, is it to sell the sector? Oh God, I probably should explain where I sit in, in, in investment management first to just for the context of how much selling do I have to do. Um, so on the pan-European basis as a firm or as a LaSalle, because we're obviously global investors, we have about 3 billion or over 3 billion worth of um, AUM or assets under management. Half of that is actually hospitality-related lease product. Um, apart hotels, um, Standard stay, your sort of conventional we breads, travel lodges, and the rest. Um, and part of my job and my team's job is to sit alongside portfolio managers, research strategy, transactions, and sell that conviction. You know, why do we want to be in the hospitality and operating asset classes? You know, what are the lines? Are they blurred? You know, where's that living product? Because, you know, we talk about live, stay. Um, everyone is obviously piling their capital into the bed sheds, meds strategy. So, you know, we are trying. It's I haven't heard the meds bit before. That's very good. The meds, absolutely. Um, it, but it's a bit of a sales pitch, absolutely, because it's not just one fund. You know, we have about 15 different funds. So every fund has their own risk profile, the risk appetite, um, the returns, you know, what commitments they have to pay away to their beneficiaries, trustees, whatever it is. Um, and therefore, you have to just be aware of that. You, you need to make sure you match that um, 
business plan and we have to deliver it as a team. So it's a lot of hands-on asset management at times. But but yeah, I think the lines have been blurred. The product, um, you know, the sector shows, showed, well, not the hospitality necessarily, but the, all the other students' retirement, uh, built to rent, affordable housing, all the housing models and concept, they've obviously been so resilient during the, you know, COVID period. So the commitments of various funds and institutions have increased. I know for us, it's doubled for sure. Um, because you can't find that value in retail or we don't have time to create maybe creative repurposing strategies. Um, we're working on that. Um, office space, big question. What is that going to look like? Um, again, I, I believe the hospitality sits at the heart of all this and operational elements sits at the heart of all this. So, um, so it's all about the cash flow end of the day and will be. So yeah, I think I think I moved away from your question, but <laughs> no, no, no. This this the um, the operational um, real estate thing is is hugely interesting, and it's and I wonder whether it's a uh, do you think it's a permanent shift or is hospitality a safe haven? But you never hear the words "is hospitality a safe haven" in normal normal parlance. Well, the hospitality, you know, I've, I had to argue with someone the other day because I someone said, "Oh, you know, hospitality should be core to everything." I said, "Yeah, absolutely." But as a sector, you know, we've been early adopters and been investing into hotels for a very long time. Um, you know, we our risk profile has changed. You know, we're now trying to look for, um, you know, of course, we look for alternative use values for that. You know, the minute we commit our money, we look at the exit strategy as well. So, you know, we have to be responsible investors. What does that look like uh, from an impact perspective, ESG and net zero and the rest, blah, blah, blah. We can talk about that if you want. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very much evolved. Everything is evolving. But again, our commitments to, um, you know, we are obviously regulated, as well so we need to stick to what we preach um again i've moved from your question i i have this tendency of uh moving <laughs> different directions <laughs> you have to keep me focused was she like this at urban living i was too busy practicing not falling off my bed um, <laughs> i think well, every every good moderator exactly <laughs> so yes yeah, so do you think it's a permanent shift or do you think if if a hospital if office comes back everyone will go ah oh, you know, hotels and, and all this operational stuff is so complicated and so much constant need for education. All the investors need to know everything about all the different parts of the stack all the time. Isn't it much easier just to have a big building with a load of desks in it? I think the concepts, the products are going to evolve. And absolutely, that's what's been happening. Um, more innovative solutions are going to have to appear. And I think we've seen a lot happening in the, yeah, business space we call them business space sector everything that doesn't have a bad it's business space or industrial logistics so um so it's it's the concepts are going to evolve and adapt to the needs we have to listen to the end users um residents consumers tenants whoever you want them to call whatever they are um so i think it's again you know it's millennial product i always say like look you know um uh, it has to sort of work for everyone as well um we've seen it's all about the health benefits that ESG, as I said, you know, is here to stay. So all the product has to reflect that, the well-being, the mental health of the residents, what does the programs look like? Um, but I think the we've seen a lot of exciting sort of, you know, service departments about hotels have been in vogue for for some time. Um, there'll be more new sort of glamming. Someone talked to me about glamming, uh, about, you know, fancy camping version of um Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, where well, you can charge just as much to make somebody stay in a yurt as you could to stay in a building. 
So that's that's interesting. I don't know much about it, but maybe I should look into the caravan parks. Um, but yeah, I think offices are still there. I think it's just, again, the value that um, in that space, the big tickets, you know, the deals are still going to happen. We're doing a few really big deals at the moment in, in the city of London. Um, yeah, I think it's there to stay. I think it's just that for the time being, people are trying to reposition their assets, come up with some clever strategies. Hmm. See, I guess at the moment, the, the thing is that everyone suddenly realises that their house is somewhere that they can be more often. And everything you do outside the house now, there has to be more effort made, whatever it is, to lure you out. Um, hmm. Do you envisage that there might be, so you mentioned sort of innovation. Do you think um, glamping and um, all that, you know, all the, all the things that we know that investors are interested in, do you foresee there being any more... I'm going to use the term blurring because I am. Um, any more sort of blurring of asset types? We were, we've we heard from a couple of people recently that, you know, perhaps perhaps hotels as an asset class are may cease to exist if people are going to look at, at how you sell or how you sort of the metrics that you evolve of this, you know, revenue per available square meter as opposed to selling beds and things. Do you think there'll be further blurring or do you think this is, I don't know, from, from an institution's point of view, are they like actually operational real estate is complicated as, in, as it needs to be, so there'll be pushback on any further blurring slash complicating of it? Everything now is that people like, it has to be the most mixed use ever that you could possibly imagine. It's like super mixed. No one really needs to have any clear idea what we're doing at any moment. I think it's as long as they investors understand the operational cash flow and surprise, surprise, not many still do, um, and they take everything at face value the minute a developer comes to them with a, with a concept. Um, but again, I think it's, still, it's sort of having the right partners. You know, we obviously work with operators, external asset managers, brands, and um, and the rest, and we have to align ourselves with the right people really and to make sure they understand what we're after um they deliver not just reporting but the whole it's a reputation for us end of the day we're institutional capital um do they talk the same language um can they sweat the asset as some people used to say um every meter every square foot um and again what's what does that look like and i'm not sure many do there are lazy brands still out there there are those that don't understand F and B, for example, um, and just focus on hotel or vice versa. Um, and then, yes, I mean, absolutely. I think that definitely has to be flexible. You know, we look at look, we we like to back flexible, innovative models that that sort of listen to see where the trends, operations are going. To, you know, as I said, the the needs of people. If they are like to you know co working space, does that fit nicely within the hotel brand or um, yoga rooms? You know more activities. It has to be exciting. People need to be excited to come and stay. And we'll know that people are probably traveling less but staying longer. So what does that longer period looks like? Um, and it's interesting that for some time I think hotels have been well extended stay almost went into became you know become hotels. So. I remember back at TRI days, for me, you know, extended stay, service departments on everything above a week stay. Now, state cities, I'm sure they can do one stay, one night stay, sorry. Um, so two nights stay. So I think it's, you have to adapt and you have to look about your cash flow, how you sort of, as I said, utilize and um, every corner. Yeah. Well, then it's tricky when you're just doing one night because you're back in that where are all your operational savings from only cleaning the bed once every six weeks or whatever it was, not naming any specific brands. That's so 
But I have to say, I've stayed in, um, so we have, we like a Citizen M. I personally am a fan of Citizen M's. And I've stayed in Amsterdam a few weeks ago in Citizen M. And I've never seen this before. And maybe I haven't traveled a while, for a while. Um, you can opt out of cleaning services on your, uh, on your, on your pad. So my colleagues decided that actually let's save the world. And for the three nights stay, the room hasn't been cleaned. But if you're really fussy, at least I, I went for a sort of middle ground. I opted for one night clean. But things like this, you know, I think you, you almost give a choice to um, an options choice to the residents. You don't impose things on them. You let them drive that, cho- you know, perception. That sort of thing. Uh, how did they sell that to you? Uh, good question. It was on the pad. It was all digital right. thing, you know. Did it say if you do this, you'll get like a free cocktail? No. Or if you no, do this, no, you're saving nothing. the planet? Or if no. you do this? Well, the minute, you, the minute you relate to them and say, oh, you know, be a very responsible traveller, you know, think about your kids' future. Um, sort of connect. They, they, yeah, it's an interesting way to connect. But I'm, I liked that. I like this new, new way of thinking. So it wasn't like Easy Hotel back in the day where they said you had to pay extra for a sheet and a pillow and for it to be clean. <laughs> oh, it's just it's remarkable that never really um, got underway in much of that's a, surprising isn't it surprising it, yes yeah, yeah on yeah. the cruise skips as far as i heard i never saw this but i heard from somebody who went on like the one cruise they didn't do many more obviously the rooms on the cruise ships were actually hosed down that has elicited the same face as um when sarah green said co-mingling last week that that sort of co-mingling do you remember when sarah oh, was talking about co-mingling yes. yeah the face that that produces is the same as hosing down the same face as hosing down cabins on cruise ships Anyway, um, <clears throat> Natalia, when you are, um, when you perhaps are allowed to have breakfast um, or and or travel and afford yourself some time, lu- the luxury of time, um, and you eat biscuits during that time, this is not a, this is not my finest link. Um, what kind of biscuits do you enjoy the most, and why? Well, I have to stick to my um, as authentic heritage and have to go for my Eastern European um, choices. It has to be Prianiki. Uh, I'm not asking you to repeat that after me. Good, because I, 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 thought, I thought I did your surname all right, but I think that's probably the limit of my linguistic skills on this Monday morning. They're called, right, so they're called Prianiki. Prianiki. How are you spelling this? Um, P-R-Y, oh God, you have to Google that. Prianiki. <laughs> Y A N K. Oh, you just just you just Google. It will come up. Um, they are no, but it, it's interestingly. I always say I said to, I had to explain it to my mother-in-law a few years ago what they are, and I oh, said, "Oh yes, yes, I know them. <laughs> they are they are humble looking treat, but very deep and complex." Oh, tell Ooh. us more. Tell us more. No, but it's um, they are all about. So so it's very. Spice, vanilla, um, but I'm not sure we have cinnamon, but it's like anise. Um, Let Martha Stewart tell you. Yes, they have um, cinnamon, yes. spice stuff, um, nutmeg, all that, all this Christmassy. But you know, people eat them, Russians, Eastern Europeans eat them uh, anytime, day or night. So I have to, I have oh, to stick to that. Some jam. Yes. Beautiful. If we were in person, I would have brought some. Well, and it's a sad thing that we're not, but that sounds divine. And particularly, is this, so is this a specific delicacy for the festive season or are they just consumed all year round? All year round. Very good. Yes, I would. 
one day we're going to have all we, we're going to have some sort of event where we bring a selection of all the biscuits that have been yes disgusting voted and it'll be under the guise of like client entertaining or something but basically it'll just be a massive opportunity to eat loads and loads of biscuits it sounds very entertaining to me I'm up for that. Right. Um, Natalia, we're going to segue into asking some you some of the same questions that we ask our guests uh, towards the end of every episode. Um, and uh, we'll also interject some more reminiscing about university because now we've discovered it. I can't stop thinking about it. Um, so to begin with, um, right, when the shutters came up and I had the jabs in my arm, the first thing I did was... Oh, it was a hard one. Um, nothing changed for me, but I did, I have to say, I had more external lunches. So I've never had so many lunches probably since the shutters came up. Um, and every time I'm in town, I tend to have a lunch with someone, a friend, industry colleague. And isn't it a glorious thing? We all got, I mean, that was another part of, I don't want to dwell on it too much because it does bring it all horrifyingly back into clarity um but the constant feeding of yourself of any other people in the house it was just an awful awful memory of lockdown that I never ever no sooner had you cleared away one meal that it was time to prepare another one so I fully support any available opportunity to not prepare food for yourself well done absolutely so yeah more more external lunches (laughs) How's the um how are the lunch venues looking? Are they have they have many disappeared in the lockdown near you or have the new ones sprung up? How's the sort of how is the strength of the hospitality industry? So I, I sit well at the moment, uh you can obviously see me. Um I sit at Curzon Street, so it's sort of prime mate fair, Green Park, so very lovely. Um, very, you know, fortunate to have this office. Um, some some places, some venues, more maybe like cafes have disappeared for sure. Um, restaurants, again, new new ones coming up. But again, I'm not even sure it's because of COVID. Maybe it's just the landlord tenant issue. Um, but yeah, they're still there. They're probably more, you know, as I said, people are more in town, want to see others. And um, it's been busy. It's been hard to book a table, but. Again, we go out, you know, not necessarily just spend time in Mayfair. So go wider. Where are you going? Where are you going for lunch today? <laughs> Locally too, probably. I don't have any lunch <laughs> today, which is like, I'm not really sticking to what I said earlier, but yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you are because you didn't have to make it yourself. So for that reason, congratulations. Um, right. Okay. So other than obviously going to university with me, the best thing about the hotel sector is... So this reminded me, this question, as if I was, it's the first day at uni where we're like, why did you decide to do this course? So that sort of memory I brought to me back. But um, and those obviously have changed since then. Right. If I'm really jokes aside, I think devotion and commitment to someone else's needs and making other people's happy. That's what always struck me about the hospitality sector. You're almost always trying to make someone else's day better. Then also creativity you know there's so many concepts evolving um people being competitive you know sort of um trying to create something better than someone else have done already so and it's always fascinating to see new brands coming up emerging or old ones or dinosaurs trying to create something that will keep them float so um that's interesting and um and again i think i said earlier hospitality is like the base for every other sector you know obviously i deal across all the living platforms and that's and this helps, this background and hospitality does help. 
so um so yeah and actually sorry interesting fact i was thinking about it um so we invest as a house in healthcare, care homes, senior living. And when we spoke last year, during the, the middle of COVID, um, to our operators, all they said is, do you know what? Thank you to hospitality staff, because most of our new recruits, recruits, you know, new, new members of the teams, they're all from hospitality. Interesting. Okay. So, so, if, so if you speak to care home people, care home operators, they have, uh, they've benefited from, uh, from what hospitality has suffered from. So is that where all the staff have gone then? Well, let's hope that they're doing something good. <laughs> well, yes, that's true. That's true. Um, I like that answer. We haven't really had that one before. It's a good one. Thank you very much. Very thanks. Okay. Um, the hotel sector would be significantly improved if? Well, let's not mention Brexit, right? Stuff, shortages. Um, what else do we have? Uh, Supply chain issues. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping talent from uni benches like we are, you know, and um, retaining them. Um, I think, again, it's, oh, I'm like a broken record. Innovation, I think. I'm just so nice to see innovative, spotting opportunities, solutions to grow. Um, and I think if hotel sector can just continue, create concepts, target, you know, markets. Um, I'll give you examples. So we've invested into um, a coach business, hotels and they've historically never relied on OTAs only the coach business and this is where the the guests were coming from and what they've been forced to do now is actually open up doors to weddings you know more lovely couple stays family stays which never thought before and they, it's taken them quite um I won't say slow but it's 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 you know we're pushing them on that but you have to adapt you have to grow so for me, it's just to be open to more opportunities to, you know, to be alive. <laughs> I guess that's a significant part of your role um, without wishing to kind of give away all your uh, all, all your secrets. But it, it, it's a big part of your role, which is edu- in the educating um, and the education of clients in terms of what is going on with the sector. Is that, would that be correct? Um, yeah, absolutely. And I'm a surveyor as well, just to add on top. I'm, uh, I'm all about bricks and mortar, end of the day. Uh, so I can't take that away. So real estate does matter, but absolutely it has to be uh, educating about where it's all going, what opportunities are. Mm. Okay. Um, in terms of where it's all going then, what about uh, your response to the question, what the industry needs now is? Oh, love. TLC. <laughs> Oh, come on. All kids used to say TLC, right? I mean, no one says this word anymore. Love, absolutely. Not just from policymakers, all this fancy government we have, um, but more from, you know, more domestic staff, recruits, you know, and um, people staying more, you know, just people loving the sector. It needs love. So I'm just all about that. It's very festive. No, I think that's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Very festive. I thought, I'm, thought, I'm not going to bore you with all this investments spiel, you know, give you all this sort of prefabricated answers. from, <laughs> And then she rounds it off with some love. Um, okay, and a final question. I'd like to think we've learnt from this, dot, dot, dot. Mm. Oh, we haven't yet, have we? We haven't finished. Well, that, so. you, you craft the answer based on the... Top of your mind. I'm not sure we have learnt much yet, that's for sure. I mean, I haven't seen, well, we're still sort of trying to float and figure out how it's all going to play out. Um, however, if you really push me, I probably think that um, no one was an exception. 
that was all about, you know, taking politics political again slang you know playing you know the playing field has been leveled it's all about we're all in the same boat or maybe not but i think it's as i said no one has benefited from it hopefully or hopefully he says but i think it's um it's a playing field absolutely and um, that was tremendous i can't um i can't thank you enough for choosing the university that you did um having a very jolly time and um I'm sorry for the technical challenges, but your participation and your joining us on this podcast was enormously appreciated. Um, So thank you very much, Natalia. It's all right. Thank you. And I can exclusively reveal that I have Googled up the nearest um, Russian deli to my house and it's just past it. So would you look at that? That's what I'll be doing. That's the the takeaway from this meeting. It's brilliant. (laughs) I think it's important. I think it's, yes. I mean, it is important for meetings to have a very clear agenda and very clear outputs. And we have, we have succeeded in that. Next steps. Next steps, eat yeah. biscuits. Okay. Well, you have a very lovely time doing that. I will do. Thank you. Thank you, Natalia. All the best, Natalia. And um, thank you for joining us. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And do join us again next time. Bye-bye. Bye. So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.